good singing this morning. Would you turn to your neighbor, just greet them, put your hand out, shake their hand and get their name. We are glad to have you here with us today. So I apologize for that. We're going to move on to the next song because I was just, um, I needed more grace, I think, <laughs> to continue there. Let's sing your love, O oh Lord. And just again, God's presence is here with us today, disgracing us and allowing us to, uh, to worship him.
today. Go on the internet and find that on YouTube. It's called Mansions. It's about 10 minutes long, but it is the most inspirational thing you've ever heard or seen. Uh, this is a Veterans Day weekend, and uh, always on this weekend we like to mention our veterans. We like to recognize them in the church. You know, all of our veterans have, get, have given some, and some have given all. And so uh, I'd like to ask you, I'm going to do the roll call right now. We did it in the first service. And if you're in that particular branch of the service, I want you to stand up and remain standing, okay? First of all, if you've been in the Army or you're in the Army, stand and let us see who you are. Just stand right up, remain standing. Thank you. Uh, uh, we'll go, go on to the, the, the Navy. Do we have any Navy personnel, men or women, here? They were all in the first service. They get up earlier. Uh, how about the Air Force? I know Keller's in the Air Force. Sure. Okay. Verna? Uh, and then the Marines. We can't leave them out. Any Marines? There's Dave. And Mary Jane. Anybody in the Coast Guard? Okay, hey, we, uh, we just want to honor you today and recognize your great contribution. Uh, freedom isn't free. Somebody has to pay for it. And uh, we honor you guys. God bless you. Uh, please reach in the book rack, wherever you're seated there, and see if you can find one of those little black friendship folders. And if you can find the, one of those folders, put your name on that and... Uh, Kind of pass it to somebody sitting near you, and uh, they'll put their name on it. We appreciate you doing that. This is our first Sunday of our Christmas offering for missions. And I was looking over the list. Actually, I've started praying over this list. And uh, I texted Al Finney this morning. Albert and a few of other of our workers are away this morning. Uh, they're having a retreat with some of the junior high and senior high students in the church. And so I gave Al a text, have you heard from your friends in the Philippines? Because you've heard that they had this terrific typhoon over there, one of the strongest ones in history. And uh, Al got back and he said, we've heard from the people in uh, Metro Manila, they're all right, but out by the, uh, the orphanage, all the lines are out, and they were in the direct line of this storm. Uh, those people are on our Christmas offering, the orphanage right down the bottom there. And so the Philippines are not going to, they're, they're going to need help, and they're going to need more help. So we haven't heard from the people at the orphanage yet whether they're okay or not. So please think of them. Please pray for them, okay? Uh, we're starting our journey to try to raise this Christmas... $73,000 for missions. Uh, how do we do that? First of all, we pray about our part. You know, I think if you pray about your part and I pray about my part, the Lord will lay it on our heart what he wants us to do. Secondly, we give more to Jesus than any other single person on our Christmas list. Now, that makes good sense because Christmas is about Christ, isn't it? Uh, you may be here this morning and you're thinking, boy, this Christmas I'm going to get this wonderful gift for my family. Well, you know, that's great. Go ahead and do it. But let's do more for Christ, okay? Do whatever you want to do for your family, but let's put Jesus at the top of the list. Uh, 
And then give by faith. Go down this list and see who you can identify with. Say you'd like to um, take on Greg and Nancy Fritz or Ryan and Sarah Johnson going to England. Ask the Lord to give you a whole project this year or half of the project. Start to pray about it. You say, I don't have the money. Well, the Lord's got the money. And we'll say, ask God to use you as a, as a channel through which he can bring it. And then just open your eyes and expect the Lord to bring it. Uh, Joanne and I give our gifts. Actually, we started today. She gives half of our money in the ladies' Bible class. I gave half of mine last night in the Saturday evening service. And we'll do that for the next 10 weeks. But most people don't work it that way. They just give it around Christmas or a little bit after in the first of the year. It doesn't matter how you're going to do it. But let's make this year the best we've ever done because we have the highest goal we've ever had. So uh, we, we're going to need everybody on board uh, to bring this to fruition. Uh, a word about our dinner theater. Uh, we hope that everybody in the church will invite their friends, uh, people that you've been working with, people that haven't been in church forever to the dinner theater. Actually, there were two whole families this morning in our first service here that were introduced to Christ through the, the dinner theater. And they've been coming now for a number of years to the church. So it's a wonderful opportunity for you to bring a friend, sit with them, cultivate them, uh, get them in the atmosphere of the Lord, let them hear the gospel, and just enjoy a nice time with you. So after the service, grab, your, grab a bunch of those tickets in the back before they're gone, okay, before they disappear. And uh, let's make this, let's have some impact this Christmas with the dinner theater, okay? Let's stand together, please, as our ushers come and we'll receive our morning offering together at this time. We appreciate your faithfulness in giving uh, each week. Uh, it's, uh, of course, always needed and uh, always appreciated. And now we want to thank the Lord for making it possible. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for providing our needs, giving us a, a job, a means of income, a way to support our family. And now, Lord, we come together as a church and uh, we render back a portion of what you've given to us so freely. We pray that you'll bless each gift and each giver. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated.
Bibles, if you would open up to the book of Luke, chapter 14. We're going to be spending some time there. Thank you, Mike. And uh, if you'd like to follow along in the, the Bible in the rack there, it's uh, page 703. What a beautiful November day we had yesterday, huh? Gorgeous out there. Luke, chapter 14. And uh, I'd like to share with you this morning on this topic that there's always room for you. Um, you know, have you ever felt uncomfortable or just like you were in a place that you didn't belong? Um, I know that happens to me on occasion. If, uh, if I go to a new place or uh, to a new, new social gathering, I tend to feel like, like, man, I just don't know where I fit in that picture. Uh, the other day I went to a, uh, a banquet for my daughter. They had a sports banquet and, and we went to this banquet and my wife and I, we walked into the room, and it was like everybody already had their place. They already had their seats, and there was the empty table for me and my wife, you know? And I'm thinking, what's wrong with me? Why didn't anybody else save me a seat? And I started to have all these ideas in my mind as to why that uh, Rhonda and I were going to be at this table by ourselves. And we started to, and, and what it was, the, the real reason was that we came a little bit later than everybody else. Everybody else got there and they were already having fun. But when we had showed up, uh, th there was this empty table. And so they said, oh, Ken and Rhonda, you can sit over here. It was this nice empty table. And, uh, and I started to make up these reasons. And I had all these reasons from, was it something that I said or was it something that I ate? I mean, I, I just had all, all these different thoughts as to why I could not, uh, why nobody wanted to sit with us. And then pretty soon, other people came in, they started to sit with us, and the night got rolling on. But I had this whole idea that I was not welcome there based upon something that I was making up in my own head. Because I was starting to believe something about me that really wasn't true. I was saying, well, this person over here is thinking that, and this person over here is thinking that, and, and really, that's not at all what happened. It was just 
an awkward moment. And we walked in and I started to do that. And I want you to think with me today about the things of God, how oftentimes many people have that approach to the things of God, to church and, and to, to thinking about God. They think that, wow, I, I'm just not good enough, or I'm just not, I just don't fit in, or that isn't for me. Luke chapter 14, we're going to see one of God's great, uh, great passages here. Uh, but I want to set it up just a little bit. We see the Pharisees are here once again. The Pharisees, they were, you know, as I was growing up and learning about the Pharisees and, and all the characters in the Bible, I saw that the Pharisees always thought of them as the bad guys. And I was thinking that these guys weren't, uh, weren't, weren't too good. And in reality, uh, they were op the opposition to Jesus, but they had everything down. They knew the scriptures in and out. And they, the problem was that they were missing a relationship with God. They did not accept the Messiah. They did not accept the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And now, in this passage this morning, we see Jesus is, has been invited over to their house for dinner. And so Jesus goes even to the Pharisees for dinner. Jesus was known to be among the common people, but also the Pharisees invited him. And if you look over before at uh, chapter 7, you'll find that, uh, that he had been invited to dinner over there, and it didn't work out too good then because he had healed a woman of, their, of her sin. He had forgiven the woman of her sin. And today, let's begin reading in Luke chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. Now it happened, as he went into the house of one of the rulers of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath, that they watched him closely. And behold, there was a certain man who had dropsy. And Jesus, answering, spoke, and spoke to the lawyers and Pharisees, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? But they kept silent, and he took him and healed him and let him go. Then he answered him, saying, Which of you, having a donkey or an ox that has fallen into a pit, would not immediately pull him out on, on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer him regarding these things. So here is Jesus. He, he has been invited over by the Pharisees, and they are trying to trap him. The scripture says there that the Pharisees, that they watched him. It's really this idea of that they were... Staring him down. They're intently watching him. They're, they're, it's like a dog watching his bone. Okay, They, they want to see what Jesus is going to do. They're trapping him. and They, they want to trap him and say that he was violating the law. And wanted to see if, what he would do with a sick man. Would he heal him on the Sabbath? They wanted to come out and pull the work card and say, See, we got you. You're working on the Sabbath. So it is a quiet moment. And this man comes in. He has dropsy. And he is, he's swollen. Uh, the dropsy is like swelling tissue, and today we call this edema. It can be caused from cancer, it can be caused from uh, heart failure, kidney failure, liver failure. Many reasons can cause it, but it was evident that the man was swelling up so bad, and, and all the Pharisees are standing around watching what he was going to do. So Jesus takes the first initiative, and he asks, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And it's no answer. There's silence. So Jesus went on and he heals the man. And he even asked a simple question after he heals the man. Wouldn't you pull out a donkey or an ox that fell into the ditch on the Sabbath day? They were silent. He had silenced them. They, couldn't, they didn't know what to do with them. They knew that Jesus was correct. And though they were trying to say that he was working on the Sabbath, they were trying to say that he was in violation of the law, he had not. Jesus had never broken the law. Jesus fulfilled the law. He came. He was perfect. And so, 
So for Jesus to heal on the Sabbath, he, he got their attention. So Jesus takes a step further and he tells a parable about a wedding feast. Jesus was the master teacher. Here he is, he's sitting at, at, at a table, and these people are eating, they're all together, and he's watching how the, how the, the crowd interacts. Let's pick up in verse 7, Luke 14, 7. So he told a parable to those who were invited, and he noted how they chose the best places, saying to them, When you are invited by anyone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in the best place, lest anyone more honorable than you be invited by him. And he, who invited, and he who invited you, and him come and say to you, Give place to this man. And then you begin with, the shame, with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit down in the lowest place. So that he who invited you comes and may say to you, Friend, go up higher. Then you will have glory in the presence of those who sit at the table with you. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Jesus, Jesus here noticed the way that they were interacting at the, meal, at the meal. The guests were concerned about the place of importance. Now in Jewish culture, this, this whole issue of being important, uh, be, being near the host at the meal, that was so, so different than how we live. We, we understand going and being uh, at, at, the, at a higher place. But in their culture, it was, a, it was an important thing. So they would invite these people in, and the guests would hurry and, and scurry, scuttle to the place to be near the host. They wanted to be, yeah, I'm more important. I, I, am, I am friends. I'm, I'm really close, close with the host here. And, uh, and, and so as they're doing that, Jesus teaches this parable on the wedding feast. So he sees this going on. He says, now, here's the parable. And the parable is just a, it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. So he says it's something that they would all understand. It was an illustration. And so he begins to illustrate a heavenly principle for them. He says, when you go into a wedding reception, don't sit at the head table if you don't belong there. Um, who goes into a wedding and says, I think I'll sit at the head table? If you've been invited to a wedding reception, when you go walking in, you see the bride and the groom up there in the whole wedding party. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen anybody go up and say, where's my chair? I think I belong over there. Um, or if you're not very close friends with the, with the family, and, or you're not family, I should say, would you walk in and sit at the, at the table with the mother of the bride? Would you say, oh, I think, I think this is where I belong. And so Jesus was saying here to them, uh, whoever exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. And he's, he's showing them that don't go in and take your place. Don't think highly, more highly of yourself than you ought to. This lesson was to the Pharisees because they had presumed that they would have a special place in the kingdom of God. Yet, Jesus was teaching that just because they were pretty good people doesn't mean that they have a place next to the host. Doesn't mean that they have a place next to God. They did not necessarily have a better place in heaven if even a place at all. Because Paul tells us that our, our righteousness is as filthy rags. The good works that we do is it's like filthy rags. It, it's... It's horrible. It's no good in the sight of God. So the Pharisees here, they had to contend with this. And the Pharisees would be humiliated if they were pushed aside. Yet the humble are exalted. And this was a principle that was known by the Pharisees, but yet not really followed. For Jesus was referring to a verse of Scripture from Proverbs 25, verses 6 and 7. Do not exalt yourself in the presence of the king. And do not stand in the place of the great. 
For it is better that he say to you, come up here, than that you would have been lower in the presence of the prince whom your eyes have seen. Jesus was able to teach on humility because he himself was a humble person. The Apostle Paul tells us that, that God, Jesus was God, but yet he did not think it robbery to become the form of a slave. He, did, he was humbled and he, he took on the form of a slave to serve you and I. Jesus was the ultimate expression of humility. He was also beginning to, to let, the, let the people know that, hey, there's more than just Israel going to be involved, more than just the Jewish people. Jesus came to his own, but his own received him not. And so the rest of the world was going to have an opportunity to take part in the gospel. As we continue, let's read further. Luke 14, verse 12. Then he also said to him who invited him, when you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, uh, lest, lest they also invite you back and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the, blind, the, blind, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because you cannot repay. Because they cannot repay you. For you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. So Jesus tells them to not invite the people who can repay you and it's really the sense of don't just always ask those people who can repay you. Um, he's giving this idea that, that you need to also be concerned about other people. Because if I just come and I invite you over and you're my friend and then you invite me over, it's, we have this exchange, it's hospitality. But also think about the poor, the needy, the lame, the blind, and go out to those people as well for they cannot repay you. And he was challenging their thought. It's not wrong to have our friends over. It's not wrong to do that. He was, a, he was taking them a step further. Luke 14, 15. Let's pick up in verse 15. And now when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Jesus had given them some hard lessons. The religious leaders. These were the religious leaders. They had it all together. But Jesus challenged them. He had broken tradition. He didn't break the law, but he had broken tradition by healing somebody on the Sabbath. He taught on humility. And now he begins to challenge them. And so the tension, you can feel it. It gets real quiet in the room at this point. And, uh, and one of them sat at the table, heard these things, and he says, um, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. It's that tense moment. You know, you've been in a few situations like that where people get... Uh, it just gets real quiet, and we call it that awkward silence. And all of a sudden, you're like, so, uh, how's the weather? You know, and you just start to change, and you, and you, you get some, some conversation going. That's what this man was doing. He says, blessed is he who will eat the bread at the kingdom of God. And he was referring to the kingdom, to this great banquet that would come with the Messiah. As you look at the Old Testament, they knew, the, the Old Testament taught a lot about this great banquet that would come. And one day that Israel would be at the banquet table with God. However, we know that the New Testament also teaches about it and teaches about the marriage supper of the Lamb. Over in Revelation 19.9, he tells us, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So there is indeed this supper that's coming one day. And so he, he refers to this. Jesus again comes out with another parable. He, verse 16, then he said to him, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come, 
for all things are now ready. First thing I'd like to share with you this morning is that God has room for you at his banquet table. God has room for you at his banquet table. The banquet. Why, why, the, why a banquet? Why is he talking about this? First of all, he's at a setting where there, there's eating and, and he sees all the guests. So Jesus has taken this opportunity to teach on this. But the, the, when we start to understand in the Jewish culture what a banquet symbolized, a banquet was quite often a time of celebration. It was a time of sealing a friendship. Uh, it was a time of uh, celebrating a victory or other joyous occasions. The idea of hospitality was ingrained into the Jewish culture, so much more than even into our culture today. So before the clock was, before the clock was important, okay, we live today on the clock. We wear our watch and, and we have our time schedule. But back in that day, they would, they would go out and they would make an announcement that, uh, that there's going to be a banquet. And so they would give the date. So the, the banquet's going to be on Friday. And then, at the time, they would go out and when the, when the banquet was ready, when everything was prepared, they would send the servants back out and they would go out and they would say, come for everything is ready. Come to the banquet. So they came for now all things are ready. This is what he says. Come for now all things are ready. There's an invitation for you and I to come to the banquet table of God. Um, in this parable, the banquet table represents the fellowship of Jesus. The great banquet coming is mentioned from the book of Revelation. Uh, a celebration of friendship with Jesus. The victory, our victory celebration one day in the presence of God. It's the salvation. We get to have salvation. Jesus died on the cross. And he paid for our sin. He came back to life again. And he says that, that, that if you will trust him, you'll have a relationship with him. You'll have eternal life. Whoever will come unto him, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And so the invitation here is simple. It's a simple invitation, simply to come. He doesn't say you have to dress a certain way, you have to do a certain thing. He gives an infant, a simple invitation to come. Now, I, wanted, I want you to see this picture of, the, of a banquet table. I was, I was just thinking about this. Uh, you know, that's kind of how I envision this banquet table in heaven. It's this long banquet table. And you're going to see this, this banquet, and, and there's going to be these chairs and all this food and this festivity. When you go to a banquet today, you go, go to something that's fun like that, just think of what happens. You're sitting at the table, and there's a lot of conversation happening. There's a lot of provisions that have been provided. You enjoy the meal, and then the host comes around. says, thank you for coming. I'm so glad that you made it today. I'm so glad to see you. And, and this great exchange happens, and, and there's just this grand party. And this is what what I want to encourage you to this morning, that there's room at God's banquet table for you. God has room, and he's always had room for you at his banquet table. Secondly, God's desire is for us to be at his banquet table, even though we make excuses. God desires that you are there, even though we make excuses. Verse, 14, verse um, 18, But they all, with one accord, began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have brought five yoke of ox and I am going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another one said, I have married a wife and therefore I cannot come. There are excuses. And I want you to look at these excuses this morning because these excuses are still common today. It was like they all together came up with excuses and, 
And we could say that they, they just weren't really good excuses. They were lame excuses. There's this great party. And these people had accepted the initial invite. Yes, there's a, there's a banquet on Friday. But when everything was ready, they came up with these excuses. And now, now let's look at a few of them. Number one was that he had bought a piece of land and I need to go see it. This is the excuse of prized possessions. Okay? Uh, this man had purchased the piece of property without seeing it first. Who does that? And then he has to go in the mystery and uh, look at this property in the mystery of the evening and go look out in the dark to, to see what he's brought. I mean, who does that? I, I remember whenever I bought a piece of land, my first piece of land, and I went and looked at it and looked at it and looked at it, but I had other commitments and we were able to keep those. Um, you know, this is the idea of, of, of prized possessions and we become consumed. Our culture allows us to be consumed with these things. Um, they are not everything. There's nothing wrong with owning land, nothing wrong with having the, the things that we need to, to function in our world. But where's the, pri where's the priority? And is Jesus, are we negating Jesus for the things that, are, that we think are so important that are really so temporary? Mark 8, verses 36 through 37. Let's read this together. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? The question of your life is not, what is my net worth? The question of your life is, have I accepted Christ? And that is really the most important question. I have bought five yoke of oxen. In other words, that's ten ox, and I need to go to them, and I need to, I need to go and, and test them. This is the excuse of work. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with work. But when I'm consumed with work, that I can't even give my mind or my heart, my attention to God. This is a problem. These people said, we're not going to come to the banquet. We're going to go to work. This man had these ox, and he was going to go try them out at night. He was going to plow a field at night with his ox just to see how, how that his ox were. He was giving an excuse that really wasn't valid. It was not a good reason why he could not come. And now this last one, I think, is a, you know, is a little bit of a better reason. I, I've, I've married a wife, okay? I've married a wife, and I cannot come. I think that that's a, a, a little bit more valid. Hey, my, my time has changed. I have, I have other things that I need to do, but that's still not a valid reason. This is the excuse of personal relationships. Some people will say that I don't want to come to God because what will my family say or what will my friends think of me? Uh, I'll be abandoned by my family. When we were in Ecuador this summer, we were sharing, sharing the gospel, and, uh, and one, one young teenager kept coming back every day and wanted to hear more because she realized that it would make her mother really upset as she left her faith that she was believing to follow Jesus. And she said, I just want to make sure that this is really what I'm supposed to do. It's the excuse of personal relationships that, are, that maybe these relationships will, will mean more to me than God. And so all these things, in and of themselves, are not bad. But when we put them as an excuse to coming to the banquet table, think about this. God has a banquet table for you. Eternity with Him. And you get to come. You get to enjoy this. And, and you don't have to wait till heaven to begin to enjoy it. You get to have this fellowship now. And you get to start to have this relationship and grow this relationship. And what do we do? We come, we give these excuses. Well, I, I have this. I have that. I'm so busy. 
Um, we make excuses today. A few excuses that I've given throughout my life and maybe that you have as well is that uh, I'm afraid that I cannot live it. I'm afraid that I just won't be good enough. If I, if I start into that, I just won't be able to keep up with it. And I want to encourage you that you can't. Galatians 2.20 says that it's Christ who lives through you. Um, I just don't feel like it. I, you know, I just don't feel... I, I know for me, that's one of the, the hardest things is getting started in anything. I just don't feel like it. Well, the invitation didn't say to feel like it. The invitation said come. And it's just that simple. Come. And he will do the rest. Um, I'll come later, but not today. We always like to put things off. But one of the greatest excuses that that I have heard throughout the years, and it, it honestly breaks my heart, is this. I am such a bad person. I am no good. Ken, you don't know who I am. How could God love me? And, and, and when I hear, hear that thought, it's like, you know what, I can't. I don't know who you are. You're right. There are things about your life that you have lived and you've experienced that I have not. But God knows who you are. And God says that he still loves you. And God says, still come to my banquet table. Now that is really exciting because God does not turn anyone away. Look at John chapter 6, verse 37. Let's read this together. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. He doesn't cast anybody out. If you'll come to him, if you'll come to his banquet table, he doesn't cast you out. He doesn't say, you know, well, you, you had this and you had that. He says, no, he says, come. I know everything about you. Come. Hebrews 7.25. That's another encouraging verse. Let's read this. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Because he always lives to intercede for them. He is able to completely save. There's nothing that will keep you out of his banquet table. He says for you to come. The third thing I'd like to encourage you with this morning is that God has asked us to invite others to his banquet. He's asked us to invite others to the banquet. Verse 21, So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and to the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you have commanded. And still there is room. In that culture, it was an insult for an invited guest. Somebody that, that said yes that they were going to come when they knew it ahead of time. But on the day of, they changed their mind because they had excuses. They had other things that they had to do. And the master wanted to fill the banquet room. So he gets angry and he says, listen, go out and invite people in. Go quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind. Let's, let's put up that banquet table again there again, okay? Uh, and when you look at that picture. I want you to think this banquet table is empty. And here, here's, here's the master. He's saying, go out and bring people in. I've got all this food. I have, we're going to have a party. We're still going, I'm not going to let those people with their excuses hold the rest of these people from coming. So he sends them out. And the servant says, Master, it is done as you have commanded. He, uh, and, and, and so it was a, a huge issue that the master wanted to be full. 
I want you to think this morning of the physically poor and maimed, the, the people with physical conditions. Yes, that's a definite issue. And while Jesus was here on the earth, they were important to him. He did not ignore them. He, uh, he, he dealt with everybody. He was not a respecter of persons. But he did say, and, and he always had a special place to care for the, the people that were needy. But I want you to take it a step further, and I want you to think with me this morning about the spiritually poor, the spiritually blind, the spiritually needy people. Before we came to Christ, we were all there. Before I came to Christ, I was spiritually blind. Somebody came out and invited me to come in to the banquet table. Luke 14, 23. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those who were invited shall taste my supper. Yes, Jesus was talking to the Pharisees and he's telling them, listen, it's going to be more than, than Israel, more than the Jewish people, all the other nations, all the, the Gentiles, the, the outsiders, they're going to be invited in as well. And for you and I this morning, our mission, if we have come and we've already been eating at the table, is that we are to be serving, going out, compelling other people to come in. I want you to think about that. Compel them to come in. What does that mean? It, it carries the idea to convince them to come in. Um, one translation says to make them come in. I want you to think about that, what that means to make somebody come in. That, that, senses, that gives me a little bit of the idea of resistance, right? Make them come in. How about urge them come in? Yet another translation uses that. Urge them. I'm very urgent. Come. You've got to come to this banquet. Come to God. Come to Christ. And yet another translation uses the word drag, drag them in. I don't know, maybe you felt like that the first time that you came in. You felt like somebody drug you in. But once you got here, you enjoyed the banquet. And we're to go out, we're to, to compel people to come in and come to Christ. Because people have all these obstacles. And a lot of it is what they have been believing. That they think that God thinks about them. And God's saying, come. God's saying, I care so much about you that I sent my son Jesus to die on the cross for you. And he paid for your sin. And you were once enemies with God. And he says, I've sent Jesus to die on the cross so that you may now be my friend. You may come to my banquet. Let us celebrate our friendship. Come into the banquet of, of God. The last thing on your notes there this morning, we have an awesome privilege to be a bondservant of Christ. We have an awesome privilege to be a bondservant of Christ. As you look in the passage there, it talks, about, it talks about being a servant. It talks about servants going out and doing the work. These weren't just hired hands. If you look at the, the, the word there, a lot of, in your footnotes it may even tell you, it says bondservant. It's a bondservant. This is the idea of people are serving because they love the master. They're not necessarily there because they're a hired hand. They're there because they love the master and not only do they love the master they love what the master is doing and they're out there and they're helping so I want to encourage us as a church number one if you have not been eating at the table if you have not come to God this morning come it's a simple invitation come to Jesus the second the second thing I'd like to challenge you to is to go out and compel others to come to Christ 
Invite others to come to Christ. We have a, we have a few things that are coming up uh, here. We have the dinner theater. Great opportunity to invite people. Compel them to come in. Hear the message of Jesus Christ. And bring them unto God. We also have the, uh, the, the whole month of December. Every Sunday of December, we're going to have a Christmas series. The church is going to be in Christmas mode. These are great times to really go out and compel people. Bring them in. As, uh, as you were coming in today, some of you were handed one of these, uh, these books. It's a, a Gospel of John. They have all different, different colors to them. But I'd just like to share with you about this. There, there are a few left out there in the foyer. We, we ran a little short on our supply. But as, as you look at this this morning here, uh, somebody challenged me a few weeks ago and said, you know, why don't you take these New Testaments and pray about who you can hand them out to. These are just the Gospel of John. So I, I have this, and it's, it's from the Pocket Testament League. And I'll give you the website. It's ptl.org, Pocket Testament League. And you can go there, and you can order a bunch more of them. And, uh, and, and they're, they're attractively done. When you, when you open it up, it has, has a Gospel presentation in the front. And then it has the Book of John. And, uh, and so you put it in your pocket. Put it in your purse, ladies. Keep them in your car. And have a supply always on hand. And every day I pray and just ask God, who can I give this to? So I had a few of these and I started praying. And, I, and the other day I went down and, and I went out for my morning coffee. You know, I don't always get a morning coffee, but I was just having one of those, just not a good day. And I felt like I needed a morning coffee. So I went into the gas station for a morning coffee, you know. Not, not the best place to get a, a coffee, right? It wasn't Starbucks. This was a gas station. So I go into the gas station, and, and, and there's all the coffees there. There's like five different, different, you know, whatever the different roasts are. And this fellow comes up to me. He's standing there, and he, he wanted to talk. I didn't want to talk. I wanted a coffee. So I just go in. I said, you know, I'm trying to get a coffee because I'm, I'm not in a good spirit right now. So he, he says to me, he says, says hi, hi. I'm like, hi. He says, you going to work? I'm like, yes. And I, I was just not real talkative. And then he says, where do you work? And I was like, okay, God, you have a, an appointment here. I said, I work up at the church because that's always a clear giveaway, you know. You work at the church. What do you do up there? And I said, I'm on the pastoral staff up at the church. And, 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 and I told him a little bit about the church. And we started talking. And this man had a, a spiritual interest. And he was seeking the Lord. So I said, could you wait just one minute? Because I have, it wasn't in my pocket. It was in the car. I went out to the car and I brought it back in. I handed it to him and I said, listen, I want you to, to read this because it is, it is an eyewitness account of the life of Jesus. He goes, I would love to learn more about Jesus. So I told him where the church is. Invite him up to the church. And, and I give this to him and, and it's, it's in his hand. But I, I just thought... We, we tried to give away as many as we could. So many of you have them. As you were coming in, they were handing them out. There are a few left on the table. But if you go to that ptl.org, you can order. And that one of their, their challenges is that you order like... And you begin to pray. And you ask God every day, who can I hand this to? So you always have it on you in your pocket. You know, I was reading about Jack Wurtson, the founder of Word of Life. There, that's a mission in over 60 countries of the world now. He came to God initially because somebody gave him the Gospel of John. That was his initial journey to Christ. And his life was changed, and he impacted the world. And I thought, wow, what, wouldn't that be exciting if we started to do that? What if we got 100 people in our church and started to hand out 20 of these a month? 
That would be 2,000 contacts a month outside the walls of the church. Isn't that exciting? Now you add that up over a year and we've had 24,000 people that we've connected to because we were trying to have the eyes and the mind of Christ. I want to encourage you uh, to, to get involved, to grab these, and, and to begin to compel people to come to Christ. Let's bow in prayer together. With your heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I'd like to encourage you, if you have not come to Christ, you have not come to the banquet table yet, what a great parable, what a great understanding for us this morning of this grand table that God says, I want you to come. Jesus died on the cross. He paid for your sin. And he asked you to come. I'd like to encourage you, if you've, you're here today and you say, I haven't come to the banquet table yet. I haven't accepted Christ as my Savior. You can do that in your seat where you're sitting and just whisper a prayer up to the Lord, something like this. Dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things. I've fallen short of your standard of perfection. But Lord, I know that you died on the cross to pay for my sin. You know everything about me and you still love me. You died on that cross. You paid for my sin and you came back to life again. I invite you now into my life, Lord. And for others in the room, I wanted to encourage you, who do you need to go out and compel to Christ? Sometimes we get on fire and then we lose our fire just because we have lost our focus. This morning, let's refocus on Christ and ask God, who could I give that Gospel of John to? Who could I invite to that dinner theater? Who could I invite through these opportunities to bring people to God. Lord, I thank you for your banquet table. I thank you that you have allowed us to come and enjoy your presence, Lord, that you've allowed us to have fellowship with you. And I ask that you'll do a mighty work in our lives as we respond to you. In your name we pray, amen. So I'll stand as we sing our closing invitation. I'd like to invite you, if you'd like to pray at the altar, feel free to come and kneel at the altar respond to the Lord's word. In the secret, in the quiet place, in the stillness you are there.
Lord's people said, amen. amen. Thank you, Ken, for that good explanation of that passage of Scripture. Uh, just an announcement. Uh, Wednesday evening, the men, men's ministry here at the church uh, has a meeting back here, and they're starting a new series uh, on spiritual warfare. And I know that you tell me it every week. I feel like I'm at war out there. Well, you are. And uh, I want to encourage the men, 6.30, come. Of course, if your wife can come, bring her to the ladies' Bible study. Also, Wednesday at 6.30. Uh, please pick up your tickets in the back because they are flying out of here uh, for the dinner theater. Turn around and shake hands with your neighbor. God bless you. You're dismissed.